Hello and welcome to the Who's Podcast with me, Phil. And in this episode, I'm going to be looking at the latest release from director and producer Keith Barnfather and the folks over at Real Time Pictures, and that is Sill and the Devil's Seeds of Arador, which was released today. But first, let's listen to the trailer. Welcome back, Envoy Sill. You are accused of introducing a hybrid tocatherine drug commonly known as Devil Seed. After the sentence has been carried out, all that will remain of you, Sel, is a puddle of green slime. What is that? Cormadol will fall into a pleasant, if somewhat endless, sleep. Mistress Now, what of her? She used her wiles, her beauty, to tempt me. If you have love for me, do not mention my name tomorrow. Show me the way to solve this deadly dilemma! If we are to save you, if I am to represent you in court, you must tell me how this whole sorry saga first began. Does the truth lie? So then, what is this all about? Well, to quote the official blurb, Sill is worried, very worried, which doesn't keep his reptilian skin in the best condition. Confined in a cold detention cell on the moon, awaiting a deportation hearing for troll and drugs offences on Earth, he faces a death sentence if the application is successful and he is found guilty. And his employers at the Universal Monetary Fund aren't pleased either. Not at all. As time runs out and friends desert him, Sill must use all of his devious, vile, underhanded, ruthless and immoral business acumen to survive. Can he possibly slime his way out of this one? The script for this release is written by Philip Martin, the creator of Sill and the writer of the original Doctor Who stories, Vengeance on Varos and Mind Warp. So having the original writer back again lends the story and the production air of, well, Doctor Who authenticity. And incorporating a satirical edge to the story makes Sill's scheming all the more relevant in our very divisive political arena at the moment. Also return as Sill is Nabil Shaban and Christopher Ryan as Lord Kiv. And we also have Sophie Ace Aldred as Mistress Nar, Janet Mummy on the Orient Express Hemfrey as the Adjudicator, Asukantala Survival Ramani as Larnier. Now, I don't want to enter any spoiler territory here, should any of you out there you know, waiting to watch this. So I'll try and stay away from the actual plot, which is basically set after the events of Mind Warp and is really a courtroom drama in a sci-fi setting. And instead, I will concentrate on other aspects of the production. I must point out before I continue, is that this 97-minute production has been split into four episodes, so each episode ends on a cliffhanger, which reminds of classic Doctor Who, which I thought was a nice touch. And it also means that if you choose not to watch all of this in one go, you get a brief reprisal at the beginning of each episode just to jog the memory. So, how does it look? Obviously, this was made on a tight budget. What budget they did have was used wisely. The sets are minimal, but the story itself is only set in two or three locations on the moon base. And judicious use is made of the corridor set, which, if I'm honest, is a staple of any Doctor Who story. 
There are also some nicely rendered CGI scenes of the lunar landscape and moon base, which for its budget looks pretty decent, though sort of fairly typical of production of this type. The same can be said for the costume design. There is nothing flashy about the costumes, but as it is set in a lunar courtroom, they don't have to try and spend money on spacesuits, which you haven't got the money, can look bad. And if you want an example of that, try watching the low-budget British sci-fi horror in Seminide as a prime example. However, the opening scene features a number of cosplayers in various sci-fi outfits and alien masks, which adds to the illusion of the lunar base being a transit hub. But the sight of one of the extras in a Boba Fett costume might have been a nice way of saying Doctor Who and Star Wars are part of the same universe, but for me it just distracted from what the scene was trying to convey, as all I thought was, oh look, someone's in a Boba Fett costume. Now this leads me on to makeup effects. The team here have done a good job in recreating the Sill outfit, though I do remember it being a bit slimier in Doctor Who. But what they have done is scale back the size of the headpiece that the Bill Shaban originally wore, which when looking back at Vengeance on Varos was just far too big. Sophie Aldred is also under a lot of makeup as Mistress Snarl, which added to her costume made me think of one of Sill's race and a, and a draconian got jiggy with it one evening. But while the design of the makeup is fine, the execution, I'm sorry to say, is somewhat limited. There are obvious signs of where the makeup is parting company with Nabil Shaban's and Sophie Aldred's faces, and at one point I noticed a tear in the neck piece on the Sill costume, which is a shame. But again, this is probably due in part to the budget and obvious time constraints on studio time. But I would say the one thing that shows up the shortcomings of any set, costume or makeup is lighting. This has always been an issue with Doctor Who over the years. Just cast your mind back to Warriors of the Deep, for example. So the lighting here is yet again the enemy of the production. Adjust the lighting and most of those niggling little issues go away. Now onto the performances. The dialogue I thought was pretty good with Philip Martin providing some decent exchanges for the cast, and in particular between the Bill Shaban and Christopher Ryan, with a pair of them plotting and scheming, which is what we come to expect from Sin and Lord Kiv. I did find Janet Hemphrind uh, sucking to Romilly somewhat stilted at times, but again, perfectly acceptable in their roles. But if you're going to this thinking that Sophie Alder will play a large part in this production, you may be disappointed. Her appearance is limited to maybe three or four scenes with not a lot of dialogue, which I thought was a missed opportunity, but I, I don't know if this was down to a Sophie Audrey's availability or this was how the role was envisaged. But obviously the star of the show here is Nabil Shaban. He still has great affection for this character and he gives it his all in every scene he is in, and as I mentioned earlier, his scenes with Christopher Ryan in particular are very well done. However, while his obvious gusto for donning the Sill persona in front of the camera once again and also being the star of the production, for me Sill works best as the antagonist, not an anti-hero. Sill is a character for which you can say a little bit goes a long way, which is why Hill and the Bill Shaban are fondly remembered. But using this overbearing and loud character in practically every scene, I found to be a little bit grating. In Vengeance on Varus and Mind Warp, the character of Sill helped move the plot along rather than being the plot which he is here. And while the gusto that the Bill Shabran brings to the role is commendable, a fan's performance be over the top most of the time, but scenes where he is scheming and calculating, or as he has in one scene in particular, displays a more vulnerable side, he is extremely good, and I wish he had played most of his scenes in this way. There do also appear to be issues with scene blocking at times, which also doesn't help the actor's performances. A lot of scenes start with actors saying nothing or standing stock still waiting for their cue. Therefore, this makes performances appear a bit stilted, so maybe slightly editing these pauses may have helped the scenes flow a little better. 
But there's one scene in particular between Sil and Mistress Nar that has to be seen to be believed. And in my opinion, it should have been left on the cutting room floor for being downright bizarre and, and well, in my opinion, unnecessary. But whether I'm right or wrong is for other viewers to really for to decide for themselves. I so desperately wanted to like this unreservedly, but I think the issue with this production is that everybody involved clearly has a lot of love for the characters and the production itself. And I think this is a blessing and a curse. Yes, it's made on a tight budget, but that doesn't matter. Making the best use of the resources you've got and making it look good is something that Silk and the Devil Seas of Arador achieves for the most part. But being a little bit more aggressive in the editing suite to help scenes flow a little bit better really would have helped. And this is what I mean by having a lot of love for what they are doing is a blessing and a curse. It came across to me that they liked what they were filmed so much they didn't want to lose a single frame. But after being quite negative so far, would I recommend this to someone? Well, yes I would. It is a lot of fun to watch and will take viewers back to the days of wartime, also from real-time pictures, or the BBV productions featuring various Doctor Who alumni. I like the spirit that went into making this, and while I've been critical of its shortcomings, there is a lot to like here. In particular, Philip Martin's script, which again highlights what a devious character Sill is, and backing into the tightest of corners makes him more devious and deceptive than ever. And leading up to this release, Keith Barnfather and others involved at Real Time Pictures have been heavily promoting this film, and they are obviously all extremely proud of what they have created. So this is why I feel you know, bad on being so critical. It's important to keep supporting productions as such as this. In this age of corporations shutting down productions because they own the brand, it's good to see companies like Real Time Pictures still skirting around this issue by producing content set in the Doctor universe by not mentioning the Doctor, his or herself. So, to sum up, buy this, spread the word. It doesn't have the production values of modern Doctor Who, but so what? It's keeping the fan film flame very much alive, and that alone, in my opinion, is worth supporting. So, that's it from me, and I'd like to thank the fantastic people at Witchfinder PR for making this review possible. So anyway, Paul and I will be back in December, so until then, it's goodbye from me, Phil. To the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Mm-hmm.